As you know, we are looking at the book of James. Uh, I've really just enjoyed kind of reading through, studying. It's always, anytime you get a ch- if you ever get a chance to teach a class, a Sunday school class, or whatever, I encourage you to take it because really you learn a whole lot more just as you personally study through the scriptures uh, than you might just even sitting there. So I get a whole lot of benefit out of teaching this class, uh, maybe even more than you do. Uh, because I get to, I, there's so much that I don't even share, just out of time. Uh, so I encourage you, if you ever get a chance to teach a class, uh, do it and really take that study seriously. So uh, last week, Dan talked all about chapter one. Today is Bonnie Sanders' birthday. Yes. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday, dear Bonnie. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday, Miss Bonnie. Happy birthday. And so as we walk through James, uh, uh, Dan talked about James chapter 1 yesterday, uh, last week. And James really is this really practical book. It really is a very practical book. Some of these things Dan might have mentioned last week. And it really is almost, if we were to take maybe the book of Proverbs out of the Old Testament and bring some equivalent of it to the New Testament, it would probably be the book of James. Because James has these really short little sections uh, that might talk about this or that or the other. And it's just, it's a really beautiful book, a really great practical book, lots of practical application. So what we're doing today is we're doing James chapter 2, verses 1. There we go. It's better to sit on the back row and be discovered than sit on the front row and be found out. I like that. I like that. So as we look at some of these, as we look at some of these uh, different versions, uh, we didn't read it, but it's one of the versions that I read out as I studied. Uh, the new, uh, the NIV uh, basically says, uh, show no favoritism. So the idea is no partiality. Uh, don't let public influ- opinion influence you. Uh, don't be favoring some over others. NIV says show no favoritism. As we think of this idea, really, uh, again, two minutes at your table, maybe a minute. What is this idea of favoritism that James is trying to talk against? Right, so what's James try- What's the idea James is putting forth? He's, he says, show no partiality, uh, show no favoritism, don't let others, uh, the opinion of, uh, the outside opinion of others influence you. What's James trying to get at? I think James is trying to get at something very specific, particularly how he describes the different scenarios that might happen as someone enters the church. What's James trying to get at here? Prejudice. I like that. Don't judge. Don't judge based on prejudice. Tell me a little bit more. An instant opinion about someone's righteousness by how they're dressed. Great. A lot of people judge, hey, uh, let's see, here's my social status. Uh, if you have more money than I do, you're more important than I do. And if you have less money than I do, you're not quite as important. Great. Great. Uh, and I think you're right also. So, someone else said something. I heard something somewhere. Appearances. Appearances. Who said that? Okay, Miss Pris, we're going to go to Appearances. And what James is trying to touch on here is don't judge somebody based on the outside. If you'll think back with me to David. Do you remember David's story? When the prophet was told to go to Jesse's house, 
and asked Jesse to bring his sons out. The very first one comes out, and what, what's he look like? Oh, he's handsome and strong. And the prophet's like, this is the guy. And, and in that moment, what does God tell him? No. And he, he doesn't just tell him, no, this isn't the guy. He gives him some pretty good instruction. What does he tell him? No, this isn't the guy. What? For man, what? Man looks on what? The outside. But I'm looking at the heart. And they bring all of Jesse's sons, and they all look the part of the king. But none of them are the king. And then he's like, do you have any more sons? Well, we do have this one little punk of a kid that's left, but we didn't even bring him because, man, he's not, you wouldn't be interested in him. He's the one we actually have out taking care of the sheep. The sheep, that's not right. The sheep. (laughs) And the prophet's like, no, 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 no. We're not going to sit down to eat until he comes. And he comes, and maybe he didn't look as kingly as his brother's, But God speaks to the prophet and prophet says, this is the one. This is the king. Because there is something about the heart. I love this. Because David is described as what? A man after God's own heart. And God is making very clear there with David this idea that he is bringing about in the book of James. When we make judgments simply based on externals, we are not showing the character of God. Because I promise you, there are many of us in this room, if God were to judge only on the external, we'd be disqualified. I'm not going to lie, I would not be qualified to do what I do if I were judged based only on the externals. I grew up a child of poverty. I've told that story before. Like, literally, if you would have judged me on what I was like, just on the outside. I, all my friends had Kangas. Those were really cool shoes back in the 80s because they had zippers where you could put your money in and they had little pockets in I didn't have Kangas. One, because I couldn't afford Kangas. And two, even if I could have afforded Kangas, I didn't have any money to put in the pockets. I was... You name it. Any kind of government assistance. We lived in government housing. We were on food stamps. My family was on WIC. Uh, they don't have them anymore. I used to stand in cheese lines. I used to, with my mom. And we'd, just, we'd go and we'd spend two or three hours waiting in a cheese line to get our monthly cheese that came in this big white block. Which, by the way, made the very best quesadillas. I'm just saying... <laughs> But if you would have looked at me as a child, you would have disqualified me from doing anything that I'm doing today. You would have disqualified me as a teacher, as a you would have said he just doesn't have anything to offer. Even as I grew up, right? God does these amazing things. I'm working on my masters, and I know all of y'all know that. But I don't even have a bachelor's. I got to jump straight to masters. Uh, because of God's grace, right? But I don't have a bachelor's. And if you would have just looked on the external and looked at qualifications, man, he, he gets nervous 
uh, with interpersonal relationships. He doesn't have a bad, like, I would not be standing here today. But God doesn't do that. God didn't do that for me. God didn't do that for David. And God is asking us to not do that for the people around us. Yeah. And, and again, it's this idea of so many people judge on the outside. And let's be honest, I'll, I'll be real transparent too. I do this, I, I do this more than I care to admit. I, I definitely, you know, there, you don't get a second chance to make a first impression, right? And that's not necessarily right. That's not necessarily the way we are as a people of God. So why would God be telling James to write to the church because I want you to understand that as James writes to the church this is like God could have had James write about anything and he hits them with I don't want you to show favoritism I don't want you to judge based on what you see on the outside why because it's our nature It, it is our nature to do that like I said all of us if you don't if you don't think you do that, then I'm judging you. <laughs> because we all do that. I, yes, ma'am. I, no, no, I love that. Because we're not, it's not just about not judging the outside. I think you're right. I think we take this one step further. And it's, it's not just about not judging the outside. It's about not judging. And I'll tell you why God's asking us to do this here in just a second. I think that's a good instead of judging and examining those externals of everybody else, maybe it really is a call to judge and examine the internal of myself. Uh, And that's one of the reasons I love communion, uh, because communion really is a moment to pause and reflect inwardly. And we do that as a church. Uh, Typically, in the churches I grew up in, in the faiths that I grew up in, we did that as a church during communion. But we get asked to do that every Sunday during prayer of confession. And it, it is an inward inspection of what's going on in me. It's not me sitting there in confession time saying, Lord, I think Biff needs to confess X, Y, Z. It's me sitting there and saying, here's what Orlando needs to deal with. That, And I've heard it before said this way, at the, the, the ground at the foot of the cross is leveled. So when if, if we look just on the outside, the, the playing field is not level, right? Because some have more than others. Some have less than others. But if we look at the foot of the cross and what's on the inside, the playing field then becomes level because guess what? We're all sinners. I love that. Don't let another person dictate how I react or respond. And here's the reason why I think God is, through James, calling us to not judge on the outside. And I think we've kind of touched on it. On the outside, the playing field is not level. Because, and and it, how much do you earn a year, right? I can ask that question, and then I can rank people, and it's just not level, because guess what? Some very good people probably don't earn very much, right? And some very bad people, maybe because of their dishonesty and their cheating ways, maybe they earn a whole lot more. So it's not a very level playing field. So the outside isn't a level playing field. But on the inside, here's what, judging on the outside, I forget that everyone I come in contact with, everyone I come in contact with,
whether they earn a million dollars a year or whether they're $10,000 a year, whether they are super rich or a child who has nothing. I think James' call is a reminder that each and every one of us, regardless of our social or economic status, is ultimately what? Made in the image of who? God. What's more important? Is it stuff? Or is it... What's more valuable? Is it stuff? Or the image of God? Because I guarantee you, I could gather together all the wealth and stuff of everyone in this room and put it in a pile here and compare it to the image of God and guess what? No comparison. It's not even close, right? It's not even close. And that's what James is calling us to do. He's saying, hey, and and he does it in several ways. He does it in this way of the rich versus the poor. And that's a very obvious way to kind of make this comparison. And he talks about the rich. And when someone comes in with the nice rings on their fingers, and, and in Roman times, the rings would have been a status symbol. And uh, you would have had one ring or several rings, and everyone would have been able to see your rings and thought, oh, here comes an entrepreneur, businessman, owner. Let's sit him in the nice seat. Why would we want to sit the rich people in the nice seats? Hopefully we'll get not not yeah let's hopefully we'll get a gain out of it because maybe if this rich guy comes to our church maybe he'll start giving to our church and so they were making these outward uh, judgments oh here's somebody who can probably benefit our church and they'd see someone walk in looking shabby and they'd be like doesn't have anything to offer why, why don't you sit here at my feet. That's, that's good enough for you. And God said, no. Let me ask this question. Is it wrong to be rich? No, no thank you. Good. Great. Great. We're all on the same page. It is not wrong to be rich. We're all on the same page there. Here's another question. Is richness a sign of God's favor? Not necessarily. Let's make that very clear because if we see richness as a sign of God's favor or God's blessing, then we, we very dangerously walk that line of falling into that prosperity gospel. Let me ask another question. Is it bad to be poor? Poverty, is it any different than wealth? In the sense of good or bad. You can be wealthy and good. You can be wealthy and bad. You can be poor and good and poor. And wealth is not bad and poverty is not bad. Let me ask this question. Are poor people, if you're poor, are you loved less by God? Okay, so... As Paul, as Paul, as James is writing all this, he makes a few interesting comments. 
He says, listen, my beloved, has God not chosen the poor in the world to be rich in faith and heirs of the kingdom, which he has promised to those who loved him? But you have dishonored the poor man. So if I'm saying being rich and being poor have no value, ultimately they have no value in the eyes of God. Poor isn't better than rich in the eyes of God. Then why is James saying what he says here? that he has chosen the poor of the world to be rich in faith. What's he talking about? I definitely want to clarify that before we leave today. Prosperity. Great. If, if the poor can receive this, then maybe it's for everybody. I think that's what you're getting at. Good, good. Someone else, what? So I, and I, this is where I totally agree, and this is where I think how, we, how I think we need to understand it. If you're poor, sometimes... You don't have anything to hinder you from receiving all that God has for you. I've seen it. I've had the opportunity to minister in places that are really wealthy and in places that are really poor. And those places that are really poor, literally garbage dumps and slums, sometimes there's an openness to the gospel that isn't there when someone is very self-sufficient and doesn't need anything. And I don't think what James is saying is that the poor are better than the, the rich or the rich are better than the poor. I think ultimately what James is saying is don't let anything block you from recognizing your need of a Savior. And, if that's, and again, it's not every poor person that is open to the gospel. And it's not every rich person that's shut away from the gospel. But those, a lot of times, those can be the truth, but they don't have to be the truth because ultimately all of us can be poor in spirit. All of us can recognize our poverty. Even if I have a lot of stuff, I'm ultimately poor without God in my life. If I don't have God in my life, it doesn't matter how much stuff I have. I'm poor and hopefully I can recognize that. Yes, ma'am. Here's what I want to do in our last closing minutes. I want to take these two ideas, this idea of favoritism and this even this idea of rich and poor and connect it back to James 1. So really quick, let's go back to James 1. James 1, chapter, uh, James chapter 1, verses 9 through 11. I think this will give some insight on what we're talking about right now. It says, Let the lowly brother boast in his exaltation. And the rich in his humiliation, because like a flower of the grass, he will pass away. Guess what? Rich or poor, we've all got the same destiny. For the sun rises with its scorching heat and withers the grass. Its flowers fall and its beauty perishes. So will the rich man fade away in the midst of his pursuits. But guess who also fades away? The poor. So it really isn't about wealth. It's about this idea of poverty without God. Do I recognize my need of a Savior? There's one other verse that I want to look at, going back to uh, 22, uh, going back to verse 22. I think this is kind of key that we're going to see a lot. Verse 22 of chapter 1 says, But be doers of the word, and not only hearers, deceiving yourselves. It's this idea going back to the, the beginning of what we talked about here. It's one thing for me to say I agree with the doctrines of the church. I can say that and still judge people on the outside. 
Saying that doesn't change anything. A real encounter with God and with the scriptures and with Christ doesn't just happen when I say it. It happens when I begin to live it out. And that's what he's asking us to do here. He's saying, don't just say, God is love, we love everyone, everyone's made in the image of God. Begin to live it out. Don't just be hearers of the word. Because when we just hear, we deceive ourselves. Let's live it out in a very practical way.